This case discusses domestic violence, sexual assault, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 120. Today, I will be talking about a domestic violence situation that ended in murder. My sources for today's episode are an episode of Las Vegas Law, Season 1, Episode 6, titled Cold Justice, ReviewJournal.com, LasVegasSun.com, and Find a Grave. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. accused of basically beating his estranged wife to death. I've never seen actually a beating scene that had this much blood. That's where he did it. He did it. None of that evidence exists. You're trying to make me admit to something that I didn't do. At the beginning of this episode of Las Vegas Law, the on-screen text reads, For several months, cameras were allowed inside the Clark County District Attorney's Office. What you're about to see are the actual cases they prosecuted. The victim in this case that we will be talking about today is Bronwyn Richards. She was born on July 20, 1963, in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. At the time of her death, she was a 46-year-old elementary art school teacher. Her estranged husband, Bobby, has been accused of beating her to death, and the case has been ongoing for six years, since April 2010. The crime scene was described as very brutal and very bloody. Bobby had beaten Bronwyn so many times that her face had been split open, The baseball bat used was never found. At the time of the attack, it's believed that Bronwyn had finally told Bobby that she was filing for divorce once and for all. He had been living with his girlfriend at the time. Six to seven days before the murder, Bobby had discovered that Bronwyn was seeing another man. Bronwyn had actually butt-dialed Bobby, and Bobby had heard the other man on the phone. He then sat on the phone for 120 minutes listening to the man sleeping. Bronwyn's kids, Amber and Dion, were home at the time of the attack. They were teenagers at the time. The police were then called to the scene. Amber made phone calls to Bobby. Bobby was their stepfather. Bobby's phone records placed him at the house where he was living with his girlfriend. He then was seen on surveillance footage leaving the home and arrived at the scene. When Bobby arrived, he had conversations with both Amber and Dion. The police didn't separate them. Bronwyn's death really affected the kids and Bronwyn's mom, who passed away just a few years after her daughter, many say from a broken heart. Bronwyn would take care of her mom every day as her mom was in a wheelchair. The prosecution's argument was that Bobby had beaten Bronwyn because she was leaving him. In the early morning hours, Bobby waited for Bronwyn in the courtyard of her home. Bronwyn's keys were found in the lock of the door. She had been killed right outside her front door. Bronwyn suffered from facial features, the orbital bones, nose, and jaw were all fractured, and her teeth had been knocked out. Bronwyn did have defensive wounds, so she was attempting to fight back. Dion, Bronwyn's son, called 911 at 5.39 a.m. on April 16, 2010, the day that his mother was attacked and killed. He told the dispatcher that his dad was beating his mom. He heard her screaming, and then he woke up and heard banging against the wall. Bobby had been arrested that day for murder. Bobby de- Bobby's defense attorney told the court that Dion had originally told the police that he thought Bobby had killed Bronwyn. He then said it wasn't his dad. The defense said that Dion was told by the police that it had been Bobby, so then Dion was like, yeah, it was my dad. Dion took the stand at the trial. He had been home at the time of the murder. He heard a loud banging noise. 
On the 911 call, Dion told the dispatcher that the screaming had stopped. While he was at the police station, Dion said he thought it was his dad because he had been mad in the past. He then said he would have 100% told them if he thought it was his dad. Dion also had said in the past that he hated Bobby. On cross-examination, Dion was asked why he had gotten frustrated with the police. Dion said he had been trying to help the police, but the police can be heard saying that they think it was Bobby and that they had evidence against Bobby. Dion said that the police were telling him that it was Bobby and that they had evidence, so he believed that it was Bobby. It is clear from the interview from the police and Dion that the police were feeding Dion information. Dion said that he felt responsible for putting Bobby in jail, and he said he didn't want to ruin anyone's life when he wasn't certain that Bobby had killed his mom. In his interrogation, Bobby said the police were trying to get him to admit to something that he didn't do, which you could hear in the opening of the episode. Amber, Brownwin's daughter, took the stand. She said she heard a lot of banging noises, as if someone was hitting the side of the wall of the house. Amber said she went out her window and had seen evidence that someone had broken into the home. She said she went around the side and saw a car that resembled Bobby's car in front of the home. But she did admit that she only had taken a quick look behind her as she was running away. Tatiana, the daughter of Bobby's girlfriend at the time, took the stand. She said her mom and Bobby had been dating for about four to five years, so it was clear that Bobby had been cheating on Bronwyn and had multiple affairs in the past. A search warrant had been obtained on the house where she lived with her mom and Bobby sometimes. Tatiana had noticed that a trash can had been moved that the day of the murder. She told the police that she had emptied that trash can the day before. A paper floor mat had been found in the trash can. She then told her mom that it had been found in her car, which she had just detailed and cleaned before the murder. So I'm a little confused about this part, but apparently Bobby's car is was actually Tatiana's car. So the white car that Amber had seen was... Tatiana's car, but Bobby drove it. Tatiana denied helping Bobby kill Bronwyn or helping him in any way, and several of Bronwyn's friends also took the stand. Bronwyn had confided in several of her friends, whom she talked to many times during the week. Bobby had many prior incidents against Bronwyn. The prosecution wanted him to testify, but they knew no defense attorney would put him on the stand. Bobby also had previous arrests for felony theft and domestic battery. Bronwyn had been aware that Bobby had been having an affair. She told her friends that she had been looking forward to moving on with her new boyfriend. Bronwyn's friends had seen evidence of prior abuse. Bronwyn had admitted that Bobby had put a pillow over her face in one incident. Bronwyn also said that Bobby had sexually assaulted her in the previous past. Bobby had allegedly waited for her in the courtyard with gloves and a baseball bat, just like he did on the day of the murder. Bobby then pushed her into the house. Bronwyn's friends and colleague told her that she and the principal hadn't heard from Bronwyn on the day of her death, so her friend drove to her house and saw the yellow crime scene tape as she arrived at Bronwyn's house. The friend knew that Bobby had done it, and she broke down on the stand. A forensic scientist, Kenton S. Wong, was called to the stand for the defense. He claimed that the bloody bat wouldn't have made the marks on the paper placemat found in Tatiana's car. He said it was secondary transfer. Bobby decided not to testify. The prosecution said that Bobby was angry that Bronwyn was going to leave him, so he killed her. The defense said that Bobby would have had blood all over him if he had been Bronwyn's killer. There was only a small amount of blood in his car, and he had the same clothes on when he arrived at the police station. 
Bobby Richards was found guilty of first-degree murder with a deadly weapon, and he was sentenced to life without parole. To me, I think it's clear that Bobby killed Bronwyn, but it is strange that he showed up at the police station in the same clothing, but he didn't have that much blood on him because, according to the photos in the episode of Bronwyn's crime scene, the crime scene is very bloody. Anyways, my heart truly breaks for Bronwyn's loved ones, but especially her kids. They lost their mother and grandmother in a span of a few years. Bronwyn had finally seemed to have enough of Bobby. Bobby had been cheating on her for years and abusing her as well. Sadly, Bronwyn couldn't get rid of Bobby. He was losing control of her, so he killed her in a gruesome way while her kids were inside the house. I hope Bobby rots in prison. My book recommendation for this week is Off With My Head, The Definitive Basic Bitch Handbook to Surviving Rock Bottom by Stassi Schroeder. The year 2020 was going to be the best year of Stassi's life. Besides getting engaged and feeling like she was on top of the world career-wise, she bought her first house and was planning her dream Italian wedding. The future showed so much freaking promise until it all went to hell. Saucy may not be perfect, she may have made some major mistakes, but she does feel like she has some insight and plenty of hilarious tales about getting knocked up, called out, and learning from what went wrong. Through stories, confessions, illustrations, and plenty of self-reflection, this new book goes behind the scenes and addresses the experience of getting canceled, getting that positive pregnancy test, and saying I do in the backyard instead of in Italy. Stassi won't hold back about her transformation from proud basic bitch to proud basic bitch who has a deeper appreciation for what's really important. Love, life, relationships, mutual respect, and okay fine, and April spritz, and some show tunes when you need them the most. Stassi hopes her story will help others see the light at the end of the tunnel in their own lives and make them laugh along the way. She writes about the importance of having a good cry at work, in the shower, in your closet, ways to navigate social media responsibly. Sometimes that means logging the F off when crowds are chanting off with her head, how to practice self-care when wine is not an option, and how not to become a bridezilla. Plus, she'll offer tips on marrying your fuckboy, embracing pregnancy sweats, both cashmere sweats and night sweats, and styling baby outfit of the days. So roll up your bedazzled sleeves or the sleeves of the tattered robe you've been wearing nonstop because you're at rock bottom. Grab a cocktail and let your favorite more evolved basic bitch take you on a wild ride instead of the bumpiest year of her life. So I got really into Vanderpump Rules last year and of course watched the entire 10 seasons quickly. Saucy was on the first eight seasons and was fired by Bravo. I don't agree with the things Saucy has done, especially to one of her castmates who's a castmate of color. But until her firing, she was one of my favorite people on Vanderpump Rules. The book is really good. She gives good advice on how to grow from mistakes, how she got through her pregnancy during COVID, and of course, spills some tea from her time on Vanderpump Rules. So if you're looking for a new juicy show to watch, I definitely recommend Vanderpump Rules. I give this book an 8 out of 10. I'd love to know what you think about today's episode. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, email me at itscrimeoclocksomewhere at gmail.com, Buy me a coffee and please leave me a five-star rating interview if you're enjoying this podcast. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.